0: Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you here this morning. I've been over at Eagle Hawk today. That was great. Pastor AJ uh, is back as well, so good to catch up with him as well. But let's uh, dig into God's Word this morning. If you have your Bible or a device, we're going to be reading from John chapter 16, verses 5 to 15. The words will be up on the screen as well, but um, read along with me. Uh, So Jesus uh, is saying to his disciples, But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So after the last few weeks of looking uh, at John chapter 15, and then last week uh, as we started our journey into John chapter 16, uh, here Jesus introduces a new person into the story, the Advocate, or as most of us know him, the Holy Spirit. Uh, And there is so much to know about the Holy Spirit, but today we're really just going to dig very much into what Jesus is saying in this passage as well as kind of kind of eking into some other areas as well. Now, I know that as soon as we start talking about the Holy Spirit, there will be some in the room who are going, yes, all right, finally, here we go, Holy Spirit. You might have grown up in like a charismatic or Pentecostal church where like the things of the Spirit are talked about a lot and you're really excited, you've experienced all the Holy Spirit, you understand the Holy Spirit and you are so pumped for today. But I'm also aware that there might be some of us in the room who are perhaps... A little less sure, maybe a little bit nervous, uh, maybe even a little bit fearful, like I was when I grew. I grew up in church, but I was scared of the Holy Spirit when I was young. You want to know why? Anyone know what we called the Holy Spirit when I was a kid? The Holy Ghost. That was terrifying. I don't want to have anything to do with a ghost. Ghosts were things that were bad and not good and awful and scary. So this whole idea of a holy ghost just didn't thrill me at all. And it wasn't until I was in about my 20s that I actually uh, got to know and experience and understand the Holy Spirit. And it was life and faith transforming for me. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I, one of the simplest and most profound kind of images that God has given me that has really helped me understand the Holy Spirit it comes from a place that I actually really love and we've got a photo of it up here so does anyone want to hazard a guess or does anyone know what this place is where this is what's that Point Nepean, well done. If I had a prize, you would get a prize. So uh, in this photo, I'm standing on Point Nepean, looking out across the heads of Port Phillip Bay over to Point Lonsdale. That's the, uh, the lighthouse that you can see on the other side. And you can see, can you see the ship that's coming through? So this is the heads leading into Port Phillip Bay. This is one of the most notorious and dangerous shipping channels in the world. So in uh, in the bay, there's been about 200 shipwrecks. And in this part of uh, just between the heads, there's been uh, over 50 shipwrecks just there. It's an incredibly dangerous place for ships to come in. Uh, and about 4,000 of these huge container ships come through and are helped through every year by pilot boats. So the way that they've kind of got around this dangerous area and stopping you know, all these ships sinking Is these pilots, anyone seen one of these little orange pilot boats in the bay? Yeah. Well, here's what I thought. I thought that the pilot boats were like tugboats, like they would come up alongside a ship and maybe hook on with a rope or something and then just lead the ships in and out of the heads. I was at Queenscliff uh, one day, years ago, and I saw one of these little orange pilot boats. And there was a container ship and it was kind of coming towards the heads. This pilot boat kind of raced out across the water, drew up alongside the ship. The ship threw over one of those metal ladders, you know, the ones that are really, really hard to climb. And this guy got off this little orange boat and climbed up this huge container ship and got on board. I went, what is that all about? And then I did some more research. And so pilot boats don't lead the ships through. A pilot does. So a pilot is a highly trained professional. They get on board and the captain of the ship in the bridge hands over control of the ship and it is the responsibility of the pilot to get the ships in and out of the head safely. And they do it no matter the circumstances or the weather. In fact, this imagine going to work and that's what you're facing. Even, so every time the tide goes in and out, the rip is really dangerous, but it does not matter what the conditions, the pilot boats are at work. And I kind of grew up thinking that the Holy Spirit comes alongside me and helps me. And what I learned is that the Holy Spirit doesn't come alongside me. The Holy Spirit lives within me. And as we come to faith in Jesus... He gives us this advocate, the Holy Spirit, to not just come alongside and kind of nestle in and give us a hug occasionally, but we, we get the Holy Spirit coming on board. And so matter, no matter what the circumstances of life, no matter how stormy the seas, we have this Holy Spirit to help us. Uh, I, and I love this image of, uh, of, of the, as we follow Jesus, we don't just have the Spirit come alongside us, he comes on board, he is at work in us to help us navigate the sometimes stormy, sometimes calm waters of life. And this is the spirit that Jesus is talking about with his disciples. It's his empowering presence in our lives. It's the spirit of Jesus at work. And his spirit is leading, guiding, protecting, comforting, encouraging, transforming us it's his peace love joy hope healing prophecy teaching hospitality all the fruit of the spirit and all of the gifts of the spirit are given to us by the holy spirit being at work in us and through us and it's because we have the very presence of jesus in our lives that we are truly not alone When we make the decision to put our faith in Jesus, we are never alone again because we are in right relationship with God and we have the Holy Spirit. We talk a lot about being a disciple of Jesus here. And a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, is being transformed by Jesus, and is committed to being on mission with Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit who enables and empowers us to do that. And empowers. we can't be without him on our spiritual journey. In the previous weeks, we've heard Jesus' words to his disciples and to us that as we follow and abide in him, we will potentially face opposition, hardship and persecution. But as Jesus prepares his first disciples for his death, he's giving them and us a message of incredible hope with the promise of his presence by the Spirit this hope that we are not alone and there is something in these words for all of us whether you're online or you're here in the room whether you have been following jesus for a very long time or you're I've kind of dug into this passage, that these are some of Jesus' final words to his disciples before his death. Uh, You know, the queen has died in this last week, and I wonder what her last words were to Charles and to her children. Last words are so important. These words that Jesus is sharing here with his, his disciples are words that are for us as well, that we need to grab hold of. But as Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit into chapter 16 he wasn't really just introducing the Holy Spirit to the disciples. The Holy Spirit wasn't actually foreign to them because the Holy Spirit is actually... We actually see the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament as well. But I wanted to give us this absolutely fast-paced, 100-metre sprint through the Old Testament just to give us a bit of an idea, particularly for those who perhaps haven't experienced a lot or learnt a lot about the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit show us in the Old Testament? How is the Holy Spirit involved? So are you Ready? Hold on to your seats. Grab your Bibles. We're going to zoom through this just to give us a little bit of an overview. First, so firstly, the Holy Spirit was part of creation. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The spirit is involved in creation. Then in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. That word breath, You've got to clear your throat as you say it. That's the Hebrew word for breath, and it's the same word that is used for spirit. So God giving life to humanity is that he's breathing his spirit into us. Well, one of the key things to remember, one of the key differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament is this. In the Old Testament, the spirit was only given to a particular person for a particular task for a particular time. And again, I'm going to race through just a few examples so you can get a little bit of an idea of the breadth of, uh, of the work of the Spirit. So Exodus 31, Bezalel, he was, uh, the Spirit came upon him for artistic work. So he was uh, working, building uh, things for the temple that Solomon was building for the Lord. In Judges, Gideon is given the Spirit for leadership. In Judges 15, Samson is given the Spirit for strength. Uh, Isaiah, in fact, all of the prophets... Uh, it is the Spirit of God at work in them for prophecy. Uh, Andy, as he was reading through my sermon for me uh, the other day, commented that he sees the Spirit at work in King David's life. As David's writing these psalms of incredible intimacy and trust and faith in God, we see the Spirit at work. But the Spirit was always at work for a particular, uh, in a particular person, for a particular task, for a particular time. But there's also the promise of a new thing that we see fulfilled later on in Acts. But this promise of a new thing, let's have a read in Ezekiel chapter 36. So God says through the prophet, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. God's promise of a new thing is that he would give his spirit. And he goes on to say in Joel chapter 2, Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. So instead of the spirit coming upon a particular person for a particular time, for a particular task, the spirit of God is going to be given to all of God's people and we see that fulfilled we are not unfortunately we can't go into it today but um in acts as what we call pentecost as the holy spirit uh is kind of given to the disciples as people put their faith in jesus through the new testament we see the spirit is given and as we come to faith in christ the spirit is given not just to one or two people for a particular task for a particular time but given to all men and women alike young and old Uh, In the New Testament, in the early days, we also see uh, Luke chapter 2 talks about the work of the Spirit in people like Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah and Simeon and John the Baptist. Uh, But again, particular person, particular task, particular time. But as Jesus talks about the Advocate, the Holy Spirit with his disciples now in John 16, he's preparing them for what is ahead. And that is that the Spirit is going to come and be with them, that even though he is leaving, they will not be alone. And he's preparing them because he's just told them that they're going to suffer be persecuted thrown out of the synagogues and and even killed but even i think probably for the disciples in this moment at that time it's probably not the future stuff of the being thrown out of synagogues jesus has just told them he is leaving them their friend their teacher their lord their Messiah, the one in in whom they have pinned all their hopes. They have given up everything for Jesus, and he has just told them that he is leaving them. But Jesus says it's a good thing. In in, uh, verse 7, he says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Uh, One of the commentators I was reading uh, this week, I love how he put it. He said, Jesus is saying, um, I won't be with you, but I'll be within you. And I thought, that's great. They they wouldn't have Jesus just with them physically. You know, they might go off and they don't have Jesus with them. He's going to go away. He's going to send the advocate who will be within them. So why is it good? Because Jesus will send them and us the advocate, Uh, or as we say, the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to make it really clear what the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is some sort of ephemeral floating cloud of energy or feel-good vibes. The Holy Spirit is a person. The third person, not third in rank, but the third person of the Trinity, we have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word here that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit is paraclete, and if you've got your Bible, you might, there might be a little asterisk or something next to that word advocate. And down the bottom, you'll see there's other ways that that word can be translated. And it helps give us a bit more of a bigger picture of what this Holy Spirit is like. So, this word paraclete, it can be translated as advocate, or counselor, or comforter, encourager, helper. And I know about you, but they're things I want in my life. I want encouragement, I want help, I want counsel, I want comfort. Um and the Apostle Paul, in in all of his letters, teaches so broadly and deeply about the work of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. And I wish I could go into them today. I really, really do. But I think it's so important that we actually have a look at specifically what Jesus is saying in this passage to us about the Holy Spirit. Look with me at verse eight. So Jesus says, "And when He, the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin, and righteousness and judgment about sin because they do not believe in me, and righteousness because I am going to the Father, and you will know, see, and you will see me no longer. About judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. And what impacts me most as I read this um, in John sixteen eight to eleven, is that Jesus doesn't just talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people who have already put their faith in Him but he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. Now, what does that mean, in the world? I mean, it can mean things like the, you know, the belief systems that the world has. You can talk about world systems and cultures and governments and all these things that we as humanity have created to kind of make society work the way that we do. But as it's most basic, and what Jesus says here as well, the world refers to anyone who hasn't put their faith in Jesus. And if that's you today, whether you're here or you're watching us online, then I really want you to hear what God might be saying to you today because by his spirit, these words are words of life and death. And there's different ways, again, of this, uh, this, word, uh, world, uh, this word of uh, Jesus saying he'll prove the world. Some translations say that he will convict the world. Uh, he will prove the world. He will convince the world. He'll expose the error of the world. And so the work of the Spirit is to help each of us understand these three things, to prove, to convict, to convince us about these things of sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, those are not three really feel-good, happy, clappy, nice words, are they? In fact, in our society today, words like sin and righteousness and judgment are not the kind of words that we kind of bandy about, over the dinner table they're they're not words that our culture really likes but we have to understand that in this context what Jesus is doing is actually bringing words of incredible hope so he talks first about us being convinced or being proven wrong about sin and often when we think about sin I don't know about you but you know when we think about um, specific attitudes or actions of people what we tend to focus on is the really bad stuff okay uh, We're thinking of the Ten Commandments, or the youth who are in there, in, I think, are in with us today, uh, have been looking at the seven deadly sins you know, greed and lust and envy and those kinds of things. Or we think about the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments murder, theft, violence, abuse. Perhaps we might think of things like pride and selfishness and lying. But Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will convict, convince, and prove to us the truth about sin and the greatest sin, he says is rejecting him. It's our rejection and our lack of belief in him that is the root of all of our brokenness and our pain. We see through scripture that at the heart of sin is the rejection of God and stepping away from our creator and willfully choosing to live our lives as if he doesn't exist. And it's the Holy Spirit who helps us to understand that. Because Jesus, God's Son, in whom we see the very fullness of God, is saying that if we choose to reject him, we are sinning. We're sinners. We're sinful. And it's the Holy Spirit who does that, helps us to see that. Uh, We might look at ourselves and think, I'm not perfect, but no one is. I'm a pretty good person. All that murdering stuff you've talked about, Trina, I haven't done any of that, so I think I'm okay. But the Holy Spirit brings this deep understanding and realisation that who we are in comparison to the incredible perfection of the God who created us, perfection that the Bible calls holiness, the perfection of Jesus is that we completely miss the mark and we completely fall short of God's standards. And we need to be forgiven. And it's the Spirit that helps us come to that realisation. And as well as convincing, convicting, and proving to us about sin, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will do the same thing about righteousness. So what does that mean? Well, righteousness is having a right relationship with God, free of guilt and shame. And it's the kind of relationship that we were created for. And the Holy Spirit helps us also to understand that we understand our complete inability to do anything. Hear that? Our complete inability to do anything to make our relationship with God right on our own terms or in our own strength. Jesus is saying it's the spirit that helps us to understand that it is only in Jesus and through what Jesus has done for us on the cross that we can be in right relationship with God. And throughout history, people have been trying to earn their way into God's favor. You might even be sitting here today, you might be watching online, and you might be doing the same thing. You are doing everything you can to earn God's favor. But what jesus is saying and what the spirit helps us to understand and experience is that there is nothing we can do to earn god's favor but the good news is that we already have his love and in his love through the death and resurrection of jesus god has done everything needed for our sin to be forgiven and for a right relationship with god to be restored And some of us today might need to hear either for the very first time or maybe again and grasp more fully that what Jesus has done for you personally on the cross is all that you need to make your relationship with God right. It's not turning up at church every week or reading the Bible or singing the worship songs or being a good person or giving your money or even serving at church that makes us righteous. It's only through faith in Jesus alone and putting our trust completely in him that makes us right with God. Now Jesus goes on to say as well that the Holy Spirit will convince the world about judgment. And I'm gonna be really honest with judgment. And this morning, I found this part of the message the hardest bit to write. This is the bit I grapple with the most. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is because um, I don't think anyone likes to be judged. I don't like to be judged. I don't like feeling like I'm being judged. I try not to judge other people. I don't like to. Come down to this basic, um, inescapable fact we will all face judgment. At some point, we will die, and we will face the God who created us. And we have to give an account for our life. And the question that will be foremost and forefront is, what did you do with my son? Have you put your faith in Jesus? But it is only through jesus that we are made innocent judgment can seem like a horrible scary awful thing but maybe think about it like this if someone accused you of doing something and you're innocent but they say you're guilty and they want to take you to court i would want my day in court to prove that i'm innocent I don't want someone telling me I've done something wrong and saying, telling her, you, she's done the wrong thing. If I'm innocent, I want a judge there to hear my case and say, you are not guilty, you're innocent. And when we put our faith in Jesus, Romans 6.23 said, the wages of sin is death. The punishment we should get for the guilt of our sin is that we should have eternal separation from the God who loves us. The wages of sin and death, but because of Christ Jesus, we have eternal life. As we put our faith in him, God declares us innocent and righteous. We have no fear of judgment, because we're innocent because of what Jesus has done for us. So in many ways, judgment, when we put our faith, when we have our trust in Jesus, is a good thing. And the Holy Spirit helps us to see that judgment is real. Holy Spirit helps us to see that sin in our life needs to be dealt with. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand that the only way to be declared innocent and in a right relationship with God, free of shame and guilt, is to accept that Jesus has taken the punishment for us. And because of what he has done, we are declared innocent. And rather than a lifetime and an eternity separated from a God who created us, we spend an eternity with the God who created us. And it's the Holy Spirit who does this for us, convicts us of our sin, leads us into this truth, and then brings this absolute reassurance that we are in right relationship with the God who made us. Thanks, Mike. John 16, 33, uh, Donna kind of headed us into this uh, This verse it's the very end of chapter uh, of this chapter and it's kind of the one that we're really kind of wanting to uh, hang on to as we go through this Uh, it says i have told you all these things that you may have peace in me here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows but take heart because i have overcome the world as the holy spirit works in us to bring us into right relationship with god we can have peace and this confidence that jesus has overcome As we put our trust in Jesus, as we turn away from the sin of not believing in him, the Holy Spirit does some amazing things. And if I had another three hours, I would go to town on this, but I don't. So I'm going to just talk very briefly about just some of the things that the Holy Spirit does as we put our faith in Jesus. In verses 13 to 15, Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So the Holy Spirit, as we put our trust in Jesus, helps us to see the truth of who we really are, of who Jesus really is, and how we're to live our lives in obedience to him. The Spirit never contradicts the written word of God. And the Spirit leads us into a deeper relationship of truth with Jesus and the Father. But the Spirit also makes us more like Jesus. Remember, this is the Spirit of Jesus. Uh, I love these verses. Galatians 5, 22 to 23, the fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The very character of Jesus is what the Holy Spirit brings into our lives as we put our trust in him. And as well as the fruit of the Spirit, we get the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Paul, throughout his letters, he, he gives lists of some of the gifts that God gives us to live out the life and the mission that Jesus has for us. And the Holy Spirit also, he gives us new life, and he gives us a new family when we acknowledge our sin, when we repent of our sin, when we put our trust in Jesus, when we are made right with God, we are also given a new family in each other. And that's why we are not alone because we have the Holy Spirit, but we are not alone because we have each other as well. We we need each other. We are created for relationship with God and we are created for relationship with one another. And this is what the Holy Spirit brings to us I'm going to just take a moment here often when we read the New Testament uh, and we read you we might think me or we we read you uh, but really when we read you it's not often me it's actually us and one of the things that struck me as I was reading this passage is we're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in us as believers it's also us as a church community And the way we live our lives individually but as a church and as a community, as as God's people, has an impact so that the world around us can actually see what real life is supposed to be like. When we live filled with the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit, when we repent of our sin, when we we have the Spirit comforting us and helping us and leading us and guiding us and encouraging us, and when together we are doing that, the world around us will see that sin is an issue. The world around us will see that there is a better way to live. The world around us will see that Jesus is someone they need to think about and they will see that in us, individually and as a community, that putting our faith in Jesus is the only way to live and to live for eternity. So how might we respond today? Well, first and foremost if you're here today and you have not put your trust in jesus please do if you're here today and you haven't put your trust in jesus there's a reason you're here today God is at work. I love the fact that God hasn't left us on our own and that even when we've lived our life ignoring him or living as if he doesn't exist, he's at work wanting to draw us into his presence. And if you're here today and you haven't put your faith in him, if you're online, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, the very fact that you're listening to this passage from the Bible is God speaking to you and saying, come home to me. Put your faith in my son and have life that is for all eternity. And for the rest of us, for those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, I want us to think again about this pilot boat. And I I want to ask you the question. Have you given over control for the spirit to lead you? Because it's one thing to have the Holy Spirit in us, to have the presence of Jesus in us. But if we don't hand over control, if we don't surrender, if we don't give the Spirit the space and the time, if we're not listening for his leading and his guiding, then what's the point? The captain of the ship, as the pilot boat comes alongside as the pilot comes on board. It doesn't matter how long the captain of the ship has been captaining the ship. It doesn't matter how many oceans they've sailed across. In this situation, there is only one person who is able to get them through safely. And that's the pilot. But they have to hand over control. They have to let go of the wheel and say, I'm putting my trust in you To lead me and guide me and get me through and i don't know what is going on in your life at the moment i don't know if you're looking out the window of your ship and things look really stormy and chaotic and you just don't know how to get through well now's the time to ask the holy spirit to guide you if you haven't already Perhaps the waters of the sea seem a bit calm on the surface but beneath there are strong currents of doubt or fear or loneliness and today the Holy Spirit wants to bring to you peace and hope and faith and comfort into your life perhaps you've invited Jesus into your life and the Holy Spirit's come on board but there are areas in your life whether it's your family or your work your relationships, your future, your habits, your finances, where you are holding onto control so tightly that there is no way that the Spirit can bring transformation and fruitfulness into your life. And today is the day to let go and give the Holy Spirit control of those things that are actually trying to control you. If any of us feel like life is out of control or we need direction or rest or wisdom or we need to just be transformed to be more like Jesus. We want to be more patient. We want to be more kind or loving. What we need is more of the Holy Spirit because in every situation of life, that is what the Holy Spirit brings. The fruit, the gifts, the encouragement, the comfort and the guidance that we need. And that absolute reassurance that we are not alone would you stand with me as the worship team come do you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life I know I do I know I do because I need I need I need the spirit to keep on convicting me and convincing me and proving to me that I miss the mark, that there's sin that I need to repent of. I need more of the Holy Spirit because I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more loving. I want to be kind. I want to be patient. I want to have more self-control in my life. I want more of the Spirit. I want more of the Spirit because I want his gifts, not just not for me, but so that the people around me can see and hear and understand and know that Jesus is real and he has eternal life. And my question for you, is that what you want today as well? Do you want more of the Holy Spirit? And if you do, you just need to Ask. I invite you just to close your eyes this morning you might want to lift your hands in front of you just an act of surrender and i just want to pray and just spend a moment now just before the god who loves us and if there's anyone in the room now and you have not yet put your faith in jesus and god's been at work the holy spirit has been at work in your life maybe for a very, very long time, or maybe it's just recent, I don't know. But God is calling you, is drawing you, is showing you that there are things in your life that need to be forgiven, that you have lived your life independently of him, and he's calling you into right relationship with him. And if that's you, I just want to lead you in prayer now. And it's as simple as this. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that the punishment for my sin, you took on yourself on the cross and you paid the price that should have been mine to pay. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry that I haven't trusted you. I'm sorry that I haven't followed you. I'm sorry that I haven't believed in you. Jesus, I ask you, please, come into my life by your spirit. Help me to live now, not on my own, but with you. Help me to live in a way that glorifies you. Help me to live in a way where I get to know you, where I become more like you. Thank you for your spirit. Fill me with your spirit and help me now in Jesus' name. And if you're here this morning and you need more of the Holy Spirit, I want to give you just a moment of quiet to actually ask the Spirit to help you, whatever it is, whether it's you need more of the fruit, whether you need guidance, whether you need empowering because of the situations that you're facing. I want to give you just a moment now. Just speak. You can speak out loud. You can speak in the silence of your heart, but ask the Spirit to come and to help you. Father, I pray you would pour out your spirit in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Come and refresh us. Empower us and help us. Lord, be our comforter. Be our encourager. Lord, where there is sin in our life, would you, by your spirit, help us to understand that, to give it to you, to say sorry, and Lord, for you to help us to be transformed, to be more like you. Lord, where some of us might be trying to work our way into your favor, Lord, would you help us to rest in what it is that you have done for us, to enjoy our relationship with you. Jesus, I thank you that you speak and you move by your spirit. I thank you for the presence of your spirit. Lord, I pray now, even as we sing and as we worship, would you minister to us and would you help us as we glorify you in these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.